We have a special guest on the podcast today. Kirsten Hammond is a Texas educator and mom of three who taught in the classroom for over eight years. She has a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in elementary education, and she's also certified in early childhood through sixth grade, English as a second language, and gifted and talented. She is currently a work-from-home mom who has a passion for sharing and creating ELA and social studies resources that are fun and engaging for students. And I am so pumped to have her on the show today because she is diving deep into something that I feel like has kind of taken the world by storm in terms of personality testing, and that is the Enneagram. She is going to dive in specifically with how to use the Enneagram in your classroom and how you can use that to differentiate and to support the different learning experiences and tailoring your lessons to meet the greatest and deepest needs of your students. We had such an incredible conversation just about personality testing, how this can be such a benefit for students in your classroom, and how students can get to understand each other solely by understanding what their personality types are. If we have piqued your curiosity and you are ready to dive into this episode, Kirsten and I will meet you inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Literacy Dive Podcast. I am so excited because as you know, we have a special guest on today. And so Kirsten, thank you so much for coming on and being able to share on this incredible, like I consider it a hot topic just because it is just a popular topic with personality and thinking about connecting this with learning styles and the differences that teachers can be able to do. So thank you for coming on. Really briefly, if you just want to say hello and introduce yourself, and then we'll just kind of hop into this whole idea about the Enneagram. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. My name is Kirsten Hammond. I have taught in the classroom for eight years, and I currently am at home with my daughter. She's two months old. So I'm a mom of three, and I help teachers with educational resources for both ELA and social studies. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Okay. Well, like I said, I've already kind of like given a little synopsis summary of what we're going to talk about. And again, I am so intrigued because I just more so recently within the last year kind of really began understanding like what is the Enneagram and like how can I use this to one, understand myself better, but then two, understand like the close people that are around me. And I feel like I came on the train late because all of my friends have been talking about it and reading books and listening to podcasts and following social media accounts. And I feel like I'm just now getting on the the track of like listening to the podcast and reading the books. So for those that do not know, because as of a year ago, that was me. For those that do not know, could you just start off by sharing like what is the Enneagram? Absolutely. So Yes, the Enneagram has been trending, especially in the last few years. And it was like it was a few years ago when I actually first knew about it. But it's basically a personality theory 
and it characterizes four distinct personality types by the characteristics or behaviors, motivations, and fears. And the theory states that we all have one primary type that we are born with, and it's also shaped by different life experiences, family, and other type of factors like where you're from. And so, yeah, that's basically a general definition of what the Enneagram is. There's different wings as well, where you have a personality type, a primary type, and then there are wings on either side of the core type. So for example, for me, I'm type six with a wing of five. So it just kind of characterizes like your personality in general. Wow, that's so fascinating. Okay. So I know that we're going to kind of use this idea for how teachers can be able to bring this into the classroom and use it to differentiate their content and how they're teaching students and the learning experiences that students are having. But could you go into what the different personality types are, especially for one, if we need a refresher or two, if someone's like, I am so new to this, what in the world are you talking about? Could you go into what those different personality types are? Yes, absolutely. So there's a lot in it. So I'm not going to like go into the whole detail, but I'm just going to give you an overview of each one. But type one is the reformer. And that's usually like what we would consider the perfectness. They want to do things right or correctly. They might worry about getting things wrong or getting in trouble. Then there's type two, the helper. They want to be liked and wanted. They might worry about being unloved or unwanted. They love helping other people. They are putting others in front of themselves. There's also type three, the achiever. They want to be successful. They worry about failing or not succeeding. And they do really well with expectations, clear rules, and systems. Type four is the creative or the individualist, and they are usually unique. They worry about being plain or boring. They're pretty creative individuals. Type five is the investigator, and they are curious. They want to understand everything. They would prefer to research or learn about topics that are interesting to them. So they are the type of people who like to work independently. Type six is the loyalist. So their main motivation is to be safe and supported. They might worry about being unsafe or anxious. They might be worried about being uncertain. And they just thrive in a classroom environment where they feel safe. They can safely ask questions. And, you know, they feel the the teacher and classmates are supportive of them. Type seven is the enthusiast or also known as the life of the party. They want to be happy. They worry about being bored or miss out on, you know, different fun things. They love group work. And then type eight is the challenger. They want to be strong, energetic. They may worry about being challenged or being controlled. So they also work best with fair class rules. They're more likely to be those students who might, you know, they like to challenge the teacher or they'd be like, why are we doing this? What's the point of this activity? That kind of thing. And then there's type nine, the peacemaker. They're usually wanting to avoid conflict. They want everybody to get along. So they work best in a peaceful and happy classroom environment. I mean, again, I'm telling you, if teachers have never heard of this, like this has got to like just pique your curiosity on 10, especially because I actually never typed out as a two wing three. But so many of the characteristics, I kind of feel like some of my personality, I'm like, oh, I should have been a seven, like, hello. But I mean, realistically, I'm like, no, I'm a very much a two, wing of a three, so very much of a helper. 
with also that achiever feel, but Mm -hmm. I do find I have a lot of conflict. And so I think with knowing that about someone, people in my circle have been very kind to say, you know what? I know that you can help me, but I'm not going to ask you because I know that you're going to say yes. And I want to protect you from like helping, helping, helping. And you really need to get your, your tasks done. So thank you so much for explaining those. Yeah. The other thing is that you might see yourself in a lot of the different types. Like I am a type six and I can see myself like I'm an achiever. Like I'm very motivated Mm -hmm. and driven. I'm also can be a perfectionist to a T. So I could also be a type one, but there is generally a primary type that we all are more inclined to. So that's something to take into to consideration is that like, yeah, you might have some characteristics of a lot, if not maybe, I don't know, all of them at some point, but there's there's a dominant type that you probably would align the best with. Okay. I'm so excited. Okay. Because Honestly, once I saw and and heard that this is what you have done in the classroom and like you, you're pretty much an expert on like what this could do in terms of teachers and students and learning. I'm so excited to like hear how to live this out and what the benefits are of students being able to one, self-discover their types and then two, having teachers keep that in mind when planning these experiences. So before we dive into that, how did you specifically maybe you were automatically like, oh, I'm so curious about the personality types, but how did you become interested with thinking about this and using it within the classroom? So just as a background, I do have a bachelor's degree in psychology. And before I even knew I was going to be a teacher and went to to get my master's in education, I was so interested in how people think and how they learn and all of that kind of stuff. So of course, you know, this wasn't really around or as talked about as much when I was in college. The pretty well-known theories I knew about already were the Myers-Briggs personality test where you have the four letters like I-N-T-P, that kind of thing. Then there's also the big five personality theory. There's the multiple intelligences theory that's been around. And I'm sure a lot of teachers might have heard about when you're getting your education degree. But In the last few years, like I was in the classroom in 2020 and I had heard about the Enneagram. It was on Instagram. I think that's where I first saw like there was an Instagram account about it. It was for me personally fascinating. I took the test online and I saw that it like had the potential to be really useful in the classroom. The only problem is there wasn't a lot of resources about the Enneagram at the elementary level. There was a lot, like I even looked on Teachers Pay Teachers. There was stuff for high school and middle school. And then just like Google searching, there was a lot of great information for adults, but there was not a lot of information about how you can utilize the Enneagram at the elementary level with students. And so that's kind of when I decided to see what I could do to incorporate it with my students, like in the classroom. And of course, a whole other thing was that we had to start the year virtually. So how in the world am I supposed to get to know my students when we're all on a screen, like at our respective places? So that was kind of where it started. And then, so that's why I created a resource on the Enneagram so other teachers can use it. So it all started with my love of knowing other people's personality types and seeing how we can incorporate it with elementary students. So that's kind of where the whole love for Enneagram started. Okay, very cool. And we will definitely link to that resource and the resources in the show notes. So if you 
are so interested in how to get this in your classroom, there are some tools already done for you. So definitely head to the show notes and check out those links and grab those resources. Okay, so let's get to the bulk of it now, what this looks like inside the classroom, how you could utilize what it looks like to walk us from the beginning. Like, what would you have students do? How do they figure out their their types? And then when you have this information, what can teachers do to start that process of differentiating and spiking and increasing engagement and all of those things that I know we love and want to see? Yeah. So it really starts with some pretty basic guided questions. You can easily have them do this on a piece of paper, just giving them five to 10 minutes with four questions. What characteristics best describe me? What are my biggest wants or needs? Whether it's academically, what wants or needs do you need in the classroom? Socially, do you want to make more friends? And then also just personally, like in your home life, what are some of your biggest wants and needs? The third question would be, what are my biggest worries? So what what scares you? What are you worried about? Are you worried about failing a test or failing a class, not making any friends? And then the fourth question would be, how do you learn best? So giving them the opportunity to think about what works best for them. Are they better at listening to or watching a video about certain content? Do they learn best by working in a group? Do they work best just working by themselves, self-directed learning and just giving them what, you know, the prompt and just letting them go at it. So giving them the opportunity to really think about thinking about reflecting on their own personality. So having the questions being open-ended are really the key here. So for some of the students, let's say if they're getting to a question, but they don't know how to answer it, what is the teacher's next step in order to kind of help them? Because I know it's about self-discovery. So what would be a couple of like tips or tricks if a student is stuck on all four and they're like, I don't know what to do? So some suggestions would be to possibly maybe give them a few choices. So for example, if they don't know how they learn best, you can give them some options like, well, do you like to work at your desk? Do you like, would you prefer to work around the room? Would you rather work by yourself? Would you rather work in groups? Do you feel like you do better if you see the directions versus somebody explaining the directions to you, just talking to them about the directions? So like kind of guiding them with that type of prompt as far as rather than open-ended, giving them some responses or possible choices for them to select, that could be something to do. The Enneagram test that I created has all of that, like it's all checklist style. So all they do is go through the each of the statements and they check it off if they agree with it or if it's something that applies to them and they have to tally up the certain sections and then that's how they'll be able to find their primary type. So, but it's definitely, it can definitely be done just simple four questions, open-ended or just giving them some options to go off of. Okay. I definitely love the idea of a checklist. I think like in general, checklists are so great just for students to walk through. (laughs) Yeah. But I know that like sometimes that open-ended, it can be so great, but then also it can be like, wait, I don't know. So I love that there are options. And so for teachers, like you definitely can guide them. You can assist them without trying to like mess up their type. But sometimes you do have to allow them to know and understand what could fall into those categories. And then that can help them to jog their their mindset to be like, oh, well, I actually really value this or I actually really need this. And what a great way too for them to be able to kind of share upfront what works best for them. 
as a way for their teachers to know. So I love that so much. Yes. Yes. So as far as having them have the autonomy to kind of really reflect on how they learn best, what do they really want? What are they looking for this school year? What are their goals? What are they worried about? It kind of gives them that, you know, getting them to begin thinking about what their motivations or fears are or desires are in a way that, you know, maybe they don't have the exact answer right now, but at least kind of guiding them to that that conclusion might help them a lot as far as them getting to know themselves. And then the main thing also is like after you do give them those guiding questions, you want to also give them a brief overview of each of the nine types and have them, I mean, it could be like a short little paragraph, just like I explained to you a little bit earlier, just giving them an overview of each type and then just kind of seeing okay, do my answers here? Are they aligning? Does this kind of fit who I am? Does this not? They might see a few that really stick out to them. And then it's just kind of narrowing it down to one main primary type. So that would be the next step into them determining what their main Enneagram type is. Okay. So they they do the test of themselves and they do their self-discovery of like, this is what I'm all about. Then they get to, you know, read about the different types and like understand themselves. And so now once the teacher has like this information, like, okay, I know what my students are, like, what can we do with that at that point? So there's a couple of things you can do with that. First off, I would definitely recommend whether it's through some type of, you know, one-on-one reflection, writing reflection or activity where they meet with their teacher and share with them the type. And kind of go from there. Or you can do like where you have all, you know, type ones together, type twos together. They create a poster about what the major things are of how they learn best, what they want from their classmates, what they want from their teacher. That could be a really great community building activity, especially at the beginning of the year. And it's also a way for students to say like, okay, I see other people like to work by themselves just like I do. And that's okay. And there's also people who would prefer to work with others and that's okay too. So just kind of having the realization of like, we all have different wants and worries and we all have different ways to learn and that's okay. And then you as the teacher, making sure you make it known that you're there to support all of them, regardless of personality type, regardless of learning style. So just that's why I definitely recommend, depending on who the student is, having some type of writing reflection activity, and then having that ability to talk with each student one-on-one, or just doing some type of group exercise where they're kind of sharing to the class what they want or what they need from their classmates. I love one, the written reflection piece. Almost I was thinking about like, you know, almost it's like writing a letter to my teacher, like, this is who I am and this is what I need. I think that's so, that would be so great with just like, Bringing in letter writing and also just being able to fully express who who I am. And I feel like I can do it in written form to my teacher. But that poster idea is, I, I was starting to visualize it when you said like making posters. And I was like, oh my gosh, like each groups, like I could just imagine all the ones together, all the twos together. One, what the poster would look like from, you know, a perfectionist versus one that's like super creative and like, you know, individualistic. But Two, I think like having all of those key features, because 
when we know ourselves, it's like, well, you have to recognize that in the world and in our classroom, there are other personality types and there it's not all about ourselves. And so being able to almost do this as like a project and then displaying these posters around the room so that at any given time, we can be able to learn more about each other. I don't know. I just started seeing it and it's just like, I think it's going to be so key and pivotal. So I love that idea. And also, I would definitely encourage as the teacher, you're sharing your wants, your worries, you know, how you learn best, even as an adult, just so that they're aware that it's not just like, you know, students, okay, students have a personality type and teachers are just teachers. No, we are all, we all have our personality types. We all interact with other people in different ways. So when I did this with my students, I I also shared like, hey, I'm a type six. I usually like working by myself and all that kind of stuff. And it can help the students know that, you know, each teacher that they come across, maybe they have like, a, this teacher has a lot of rules and this teacher seems to be more, you know, create like, it's all based off of how we are. And, and that's okay. You might have teachers that you might clash with. You might have students that you might clash with, but just recognizing and trying to navigate how you can get to some type of consensus or type of way where you can get along together. So there's so many different aspects of and benefits of having students learn about the Enneagram. Yeah, that's so great. And I love us sharing about ourselves because yes, especially those kids as they get into third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade in some schools, they're departmentalized and you do have multiple teachers. But even if you're not departmentalized, they still go to PE. They still go to maybe music or art or they have to deal with, you know, people that are watching them in the cafeteria. So there's just people in your whole environment, which that's going to be an interaction of some sort. And so especially if you're not clashing, it doesn't mean that that person's mean or you know, anything. It just means that like we are different and it, you can start adjusting to figuring out how can I best work with this person? And that's the same thing for the classroom with students. Writing Made Simple is a writing membership that helps you engage your students in quick writing opportunities. And I have a gift for you. Maybe you have seen these writing routines on social media or heard it mentioned in a previous episode, but really just need to give it a try before you officially join in the writing fun. I totally get it. So I want to give you access to my step-by-step -step writing routine for free. This routine focuses on procedural writing and the use of transition words. You will get the animated slides, the lesson plan, exemplars, the printable templates, and the video walkthroughs for this routine. Head to theliteracydive.com slash step-by-step to grab your free writing routine. I love it. Okay, so when it comes to this, like, what does this look like with, you know, what role does it play with, like, grouping or teamwork? Like, would you suggest, would you pay attention to those numbers when doing groups? Would you just kind of like still let them choose on their own and kind of work through it using this as a way of being like, well, let's remember, like, what can we learn here? Or what does that look like with letting it play out when it comes to making decisions for groups or making decisions for lessons and things like that? So once you end up having all of your students' personality types, or once they discover what personality type they are, you also want to make sure you have that information on hand because 
it can help as far as what type of activities you're offering in the classroom. As we all know, no class is the same year after year. Right. Even when you have different blocks of students, you're going to have some classes that are super talkative than other classes. And I specifically remember one year I had a class in the morning. They were just super quiet and they would not participate. Like they wouldn't raise their hand or anything like that. But then my afternoon, they were like contributing. They wanted to work together and they were just all over, you know. And that's just kind of how it is. So, you know, it wouldn't be right for me to assign those same type of activities for my students in my morning block versus my afternoon block. So there's four different ways you can pretty much differentiate. You can differentiate by the content that you have. So like the actual skills that they're learning, you can differentiate by the process. Like if it's auditory, if you have the directions on the board, you can differentiate a product, how they are showcasing their learning or what they're learning by some slideshow or website or a podcast or something like that. And then also you're different, you can differentiate the learning environment. So whether they're working by themselves with others, working under their desks or in the hallway. So there's different ways you can differentiate in the classroom in general. And knowing their personality types can really help guide those types of activities. So Maybe you have like my morning class that probably would prefer to maybe work by themselves. So giving them more opportunities to do that. Whereas my afternoon class, who they were very rowdy and rambunctious, giving them more opportunities to work around the room as much as I can. So like for ELA station, something I did for both groups, actually, I kind of gave some flexibility as far as what they did with the different activities they had assigned to them each day. So some students had the choice to just, if they wanted to work at their desk, they could do that. And I had some students that would work by themselves, like that's what they preferred. So, you know, I let them do that. And then there were some students who like needed to have, like they wanted to read together quietly on the carpet and, you know, work on the assignment together, which you have to be kind of flexible in that, like, is it okay if they are collaborating with that assignment or not? I had students reading in the library, I had students go work out in the hallway. So I tried to, even though it was a fifth grade classroom, and it's a really tiny classroom, very big, you know, large bodies trying to fit in a small classroom, especially with fifth grade, I still tried to give some opportunity for students to pick where they learned best in the way that they learn best, if that makes any sense. Yes, it so, does. And of course, you can't, you, for tests, you know, everybody's going to have to do it by themselves. Like there's certain activities that you can't, you have to have students. Maybe they have to do a group project. Maybe they have to do a test by themselves. But if you can find certain activities, like you can be a little bit flexible with activities. Maybe you can have them doing a digital version of an assignment versus a printable assignment, that kind of thing, giving them the flexibility to kind of take their personality types and just kind of differentiate from there. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways you can go about it, but that's that's just one example. I feel like this one, though, will spiral out into so many others because I think that we find it so hard, but it's like, oh, if you start here, imagine what if you gave them a template with, you know, fill in these three boxes of information with facts. Well, All of your students could do it, but if it's just writing it in the boxes versus here's a blank piece of paper, I want you to tell me everything that you know about whatever, or here, I just want you to tell me everything that you know, have at it, 
I'm just imagining what level of depth and like understanding that you can get from the person who wants to illustrate it and, you know, draw all these bubbles and diagrams and all of this key information that would have been stunted if they were held to just put it into a graphic organizer with three boxes versus the person who could type and, you know, design and just go into their own world with just like typing, typing, typing away. And you have paragraphs of all of this intense information. I mean, I'm literally feeling it because from what you've said, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I would allow a lot of the student choice and things like that. But I do know that there is even so much more that I could have done just now thinking about my own with like, oh, here, real quick, I want you to like, show me what you know. It's a quick check. But even that I could have done differently to allow for all of the students to show what they knew. Right. And of course, you don't have to like, it doesn't have to be every single part of your day where you're like differentiating in the warm up and then differentiating in the mini lesson all like you can there are s- certain things that you may not have the flexibility or the time or you know maybe you just need them to to do something a certain way but if there's just even one thing that they can do where they have that choice based on you know who they are as a person who they are as their personality to do that why not let them? I mean, especially if it's in a way that they learn best, I think that's a great way they can retain what they're learning. And it kind of gives them like, they're they're like, okay, we have some times where we have to do things. And that's the way we have to do them. But I love that my teacher lets me do something in a way that I really enjoy. Yes. And I think that they would respond really well to that. Because in the real world, there are certain things that we just have to do, whether we like it or not. And so I think that you know, definitely not going out on a whole limb where it's like, my whole classrooms are free for all, do whatever you want. We're just typing one through nine in here, but definitely allowing it when it makes sense and when it can be embedded, but also keeping that structure because like you said, during testing, students have to sit at their seats and they have to, they have to do it a certain way. And so I think being able to have that healthy balance will definitely be appealing for them. So that's really awesome. So now that I'm thinking about Okay, so there's the different types and how they can be able to test themselves and figure out and learn more about themselves and be able to express that to each other. And then there's definitely ways that we've heard that we can be able to dive into this and create these differentiated experiences. And we can be able to think about the learning outcomes and how we are going to approach content. So When you're having your students do this, is there a certain time of year that is best? Do you do this at multiple times in the year? Like, what does this look like if a teacher is like, okay, I'm on board with this. I really want to like implement this and learn more about my students and also just kind of like open the doors of awareness. So what would be your recommendation of what you've done that you found that works? So in my experience, for me, it worked the best at the beginning of the year when I'm just getting to know my students. Like it's really great to put in there with classroom community building activities. So that's what I usually recommend for best results. But of course, it can be really done at any point of the year, any point of the year, like maybe you're stuck in a rut and your students are just not getting along or, you know, there's a lot of conflict. This can be a great time to kind of press the pause button And just kind of point out that we all have different personality types and we all have to, you know, we all need something from each other. And some people need certain things and some other people need other things. So it can really be done any time of the year, but I always recommend the beginning of the year for best results. 
Okay. I love, I love that phrase. Like we all need something from each other because I think so much, we all think like one-sided, I mean, more so students, like they think like one-sided or all about me. And I think that if they can actually open up their minds to being like, you know what, like we are different, but we definitely, we need each other. Like think about the perfect person is going to be all of the, like one through nine, like how incredible would that be? And so to know that we can embrace that as a classroom, I think is really great. So I love that phrase. Like we all need something from each other. Okay. So beginning of the year, probably most ideal, obviously, because that would make it just the level of awareness is there. So for students who are entering mid-year, would this be a part of your system? Like as they're coming in and you're giving them a folder, giving them a seat, you know, making sure that they have like what they need to be a part of the class. Is this something that you're kind of putting into that onboarding process or is it just kind of like the kids that start with you? How does that look? So I definitely think it can be a really great onboarding opportunity for students who are just coming in. Obviously, don't put them on blast like, what's your Enneagram? You know, that kind of thing. Like, you don't need to do all of that. But having some extra copies of the questions or the Enneagram checklist statements, you can always have that and just kind of even talking with them one-on-one because, you know, there's a variety of reasons students come mid-year, but just that could be part of when you're meeting with them or getting to know them. If you have something maybe like in the classroom where you have a dedicated area where there's a poster or something, or even the posters that the students did as a group, you have that displayed in the on the classroom and just kind of explain to them what the nine Enneagram types are and like how they feel about their results. And in turn, you want the students who are already in the classroom to kind of like it's kind of reciprocated. So you're having them sharing about themselves and then kind of it, it, you can, there's a lot of ways you can do it, but just try to see what you can do to integrate them into their classroom family as far as you one-on-one and then having some students talk to them as well. So yeah, I mean, like I definitely recommend having it as part of onboarding and just finding some way to like, not, you know, not in a cheesy way, like, hi, we're all the type one, we're all the type two, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, you can if you want, like, however, however your class rolls, but just finding a way to maybe just feature them on a wall with, with the other types, or if you have something in the classroom, that could be probably a less scary way to get them acclimated to what you have in your classroom. Okay. And while you were saying that, I was like, oh, this would be really great too, because we do have, whenever you get that mid-year student, which I've had every year, I've never had a year where I just had the students that I started with. I've always had like one to two, sometimes three new students coming in and out. And I think too, if you understood pretty quickly what their personality type was, you could actually pair them with kids that you already know are either that type or that work really well alongside that type. So that way it's like, hey, I want you to have two buddies and your two buddies are going to be so-and-so. And you already kind of know in your mind, this is going to be a really good pair. It's going to be a good partnership. They're going to understand each other. They're going to like, you know, this is going to be like a crew. And I think it can be a really great way to to do your part to helping a child who comes into a classroom feel wanted and feel cared about. So I'm already seeing like that using this in the classroom could also work with that as well, which is so good. I love that idea as far as like you could start with, you know, talking with them and then just introducing about here's a friend you might get along with that kind of thing, introducing them to a couple of buddies to pair up with and them going from there. But yes, I've also pretty much had 
new students mid-year for pretty much every single year I've taught. Right. Yeah. No, this is like, oh man, I'm just like getting all these ideas and hopefully listeners are as well. Okay. So this has been so incredible just talking about students in particular, how we can be able to utilize this popular personality type testing that has really taken the U.S. and probably the world by storm and how we can actually just go ahead and like cultivate that in the classroom. So I I love this topic. So the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on, if you would, since I love this approach for students, there are other people that, you know, teachers work with within a school setting, and that is their grade level teams. And I know that I've worked on teams that have really been thriving, and I've also worked on teams that were challenging. And we, I think a lot of it was not due to who we were as people, but it was our personalities. And so it wasn't that I, you know, someone didn't like me, but it might have just been that we had a personality clash. And once we could work through that, we became very great friends. And so how could this approach be applied when thinking about grade level teams or coworkers or, you know, anyone that you have to coexist with that's on the adult level? Oh, I love this question because I can't tell you. I mean, it hasn't been a lot of times, but there have been times where I would get like my feelings hurt because I'm like, this person doesn't like me or I'm thinking that this person doesn't like me in the workplace. But it's really having to just do with we just had different personality types and how we you know, managed our classroom. So I think that it is so important to take into consideration certain things that teachers or your coworkers or faculty members really prefer and what they want or need. Some teachers want to be in the classroom at lunchtime eating together, like all, you know, all together chatting and all of that stuff. And it's okay if that one teacher wants to be in her room by herself working with her lunch. So There's a lot of different scenarios, but I think knowing that, I mean, even having like maybe at a faculty meeting, I mean, there's adult versions of the personality tests that you can take. So maybe that can be something you can suggest to your admin, like, let's all take the Enneagram test and doing the same type of exercise that you do with your students, with your team, your grade level team, or your whole staff. I can envision having all the co-workers that are type ones together, all the type sixes together, type sevens do the same thing with the posters with the teachers as well. Even if it's just your team, just having awareness that your teammates have certain motivations or they may prefer to, if possible, work by themselves at lunch. They may not want to go out to a faculty lunch or something like that, or, you know, a team lunch that kind of thing. They prefer to be that by themselves and just respecting that. It's all about really respect of how, you know, people are in general. Even if you don't know their personality types, you could probably sense some people really may be on the same vibe, same wavelength as you. Some people may not, but still just recognizing that the common goal that you have is probably the same. You want your students to you know, be the best version of themselves. And so it's just taking, if you run into some type of conflict, rather than thinking it's about me, they don't like me, just thinking about, you know, maybe there's something we can work together as far as it's just maybe it's a personality clash. What can we do to work around it? Like, how can I best support your needs as far as 
okay, I'll give you a little bit more space to do what you need to do, you know, that kind of thing. So you can, you can take it as much as you want. You can, even if you don't know the types though, I think it's really just a recognition of people are different and they have different motivations and just navigating around that can kind of ease your mind on on a lot of things as far as workplace conflicts. Okay. That's, that's really good. I love the idea of, you know, maybe your school does not do it, which I mean, it's not required, but what if you just went to your administrator and was like, Hey, do you mind if like during pre-planning, pre-in-service, whenever, like before the kids come or at our first staff meeting, if we could just take some time to do, you know, the Enneagram or a personality test, because I think it'll be really insightful so that all of the people can understand that these exist and not just like finding out the types, but like you had said with the kids, like reading through those descriptions, because I think that if our first level of defense is they don't like me, like I did something wrong or he did something wrong or he did this and that offends me. But I think if you really look at the big picture, they might not have even thought that it was offensive or them not wanting to eat with you is not meaning like that they don't like you. They really just want to be alone. And the person down the hall that is always doing creative room transformations and like decorative things with their students, it is because they value individuality and they want to do creative things. It's not to keep something from you. Yeah. They're not trying to one-up you or anything. Things that they're better, that kind of thing. So it's all about perspective, I think. Exactly. And so I love that you mentioned that because I think that as you can go into your school year, as you can, you know, go into no matter what part of the school year it is, if you can start thinking about how can I understand this person and you know, how can I understand their perspective? It can just make you feel a lot better than going automatically into conflict mode or that something is wrong. So I love that you shared that. Yeah. It's something I wish I'd done earlier, knew about earlier. I think that would have saved myself a lot of stress and anxiety because all the times I can think of the times I would always go to bed worried about, oh, this this coworker doesn't like me because I'm, you know, doing this with my students and they, you know, It's just a matter of knowing that we just all have different personality types and embracing that. Yes. Well, I am so, I just, like I said, I'm so fascinated. Just love this topic, this whole topic of personality and recognizing that anytime you're interconnected with anyone outside of yourself, there are grounds to having to pivot and having to understand and having to coexist and figure out how can we work together. And it's just going to strengthen the skills for the future. But I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much for just coming on and sharing your knowledge and your passion for this topic and for allowing students to, you know, unapologetically be themselves and being able to honor that and respect that and appreciate that within the classroom and also allowing students to do the same. So thank you so, so much. So this is so fascinating. So if others have more questions or if they want to check out more things that you have to offer. Where can our listeners get in contact with you, follow along and all of that? So you can find me on my website at thesouthernteach.com, Instagram at thesouthernteach. And I, I do have a TPT store with other ELA social studies resource. And that's also the Southern Teach. Perfect. Well, we will have all of those linked in the show notes. So definitely follow along, go learn on the website, TPT, there's social studies things, the Enneagram. We'll have all of that linked in the show notes. But Kirsten, thank you so, so much for coming on. You've just been such a treat. And again, I'm just like, now I want to go and read up on more on all the types. So yes, thank you so much. Yes, no problem. So glad I was able to be here.
Yes, likewise. And for everyone else, we will be back next Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.